Welcome to Fixated, the Fixed Income Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Moran, Editorial Director of Fixed Income News Australia. Join me every week as I talk about the latest news, views and education in fixed income investment. I'll be joined by industry experts from Australia and across the globe. Welcome. Today I'm very excited to have John Lechty, CEO of Cashworks, as my special guest. Good morning, John. Hi, Liz. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Um, Now, John has had a very long career in fixed income markets and seen many changes. And I thought, John, we might just start today with your observations of what's happened over during your career and over your career in fixed income. If you could give us some insight, that'd be terrific. Um, I'm embarrassed to tell you how long I've been doing this, Liz. I said to someone recently that I've been in debt all my life. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I literally started work in 1979 in a company called Bain and Company, which of course is still around today, but in a different form. That organisation became Deutsche Bank. Uh, and look, I had lots of jobs over the journey um, in funds management side, and but mainly on the sell side, um, uh, County Net West, um, and then, then I went to Potter's. I went back to Potter's in 94, late 94, um, because Potter's was a Melbourne establishment, was always going to be Melbourne, and I wanted to bring up my kids in Melbourne. And uh, in late 94, they merged with SBC, and the whole staff had to move to Sydney. So um, my family company is called Third Return because I had three three turns that uh, going to Sydney, um, and I went up with the then SBC and became UBS. And... Um, then later on, I, in early 2000s, I went to Japan and ran the fixed income desk in Japan for UBS, uh, which was just fantastic. Still got a lot of friends there and um, really enjoyed my time up there. Moved to Hong Kong in 05 until the GFC, but I um, I was actually out by the time the GFC struck. I was, uh, I was observing that when it all sort of melted down um, and, uh, and then came back to Australia and um, Got into retail fixed income in 08. Um, retail meaning, I don't mean in the in the legal sense, but just mums and dads, SMSF uh, fixed income in 08 until 15. Um, since then, I had a break until I joined Cashworks uh, about oh, just a little over a year ago now. So there you go. A lifetime in a, in a, in a, in a few seconds. <laughs> so last week, Cashworks announced some changes to its business. Obviously, the fixed income market has evolved in that time and things are, are very different. Cashworks was like a, a house where you could go and find the best term deposit rate and uh, you had a number of um, offerings. So what's led you to change the direction of the business? And perhaps do you want to talk a bit about what, what's happened and your announcements as well? Yeah, um, let me sort of give a broader explanation. Um, Sorry, it's sort of necessary. I think since the GFC, we've actually seen a big change in the fixed income markets per se. So um, I'll just keep calling it retail fixed income again. I don't mean in in an ASIC regulatory sense. Um, Has never taken off in Australia, and there's been two main reasons for that. The first one is tax, and I won't get into that, but there's a bias uh, against debt securities uh, in the tax regime in Australia. Uh, who knows if that's ever going to change. But the second one was the the oligopoly of the major banks. And uh, Australians just, any sort of income investing they wanted to do was just done through the bank deposit market. And even when, when we were trying to sell bonds to people that, you know, good, decent credits, sort of 7 or 8%, when you and I were working together, Liz, 
if, if the bank deposit was five or six percent, people say that'll do. I don't need, I don't care about seven percent with the bond and have to get on board to the company and go through the hassle of custody and paying all those fees. I just put my money in the bank and forget about it. So the banks disintermediated the fixed income market more so than almost every other major developed country in the world. Uh, certainly through Europe and Luxembourg has been a, a center for retail fixed income. In the US, people talk about their bonds and their stocks at the, at the family barbecue. They, the, in Australia, we just don't care. We just went through the banks. Even in New Zealand, by the way, it's got a very debt market in, in New Zealand. So it's, you know, it's not a European thing or a North, Northern Hemisphere thing. It's just an Australian thing. But anyway, um, that's the way it's been. But what's changed since then is two things. Um, firstly, the banks no longer want to hold inventory. The ch changes to uh, I'll just say, broadly speaking, the regulations that have come out of Baal, but also the impact of what APRA is making the banks hold as equity against their um, credit holdings. They really don't want to do it. And when I say the banks, I don't just mean the major banks. The investment banks don't want to hold inventory anymore. We saw a great example of that a year ago now, so April, May, June 2020, the corporate bond market just ceased to function. There was no bid offer spread really at all. And that was twofold. It was, um, well, on, on the one hand, people would just risk off anyway, just in, in all asset classes. Um, but secondly, there was this, this impact of not wanting to hold inventory. So someone, even at a big wide spread, uh, a price maker would take on a bond and then, you know, literally might have to hold it for a month. And that's just not acceptable these days. So that, that's been a, a, a big change um, in the not wanting to hold. But the second thing is the banks no longer want to hold deposits. Um, and literally you're seeing banks just turning away deposits and we're a deposit broker and we've definitely taken clients to banks at the moment and they're just saying there's no price i don't want that money i just you know we've, we've had some customers particularly if they've got an afsl but even if they haven't just can't find a home for their deposits so i had someone recently um very strongly opinionated telling me that, I, that i'm absolutely crazy trying to set up a fixed income offering in a zero rate environment but ironically perhaps it's never been a better time because now we've got a situation where the banks don't want the deposits. So if we can show people return, like a super safe return of 1% or, you know, incrementally out to say 2 or 3 or 4%, that's attractive. And while 1% or 2% is, doesn't sound like a big rate, if you've got money sitting in the bank earning nothing, and by the way, I do, I haven't got around to, I'm the, I'm the plumber with the leaky pipes, um, the... Uh, it's not only obviously not earning any money, but you're going rapidly backwards against inflation. So you're, you're, you've got a real loss there. And there's inflation in the system at the moment. And as inflation kicks up, then your, your actual loss over time is going to end up being 2 or 3%. And over a course of a few years, that's a massive drain on anybody, any investment manager's total returns. So I said, what's, what's developed? Well, what's changed now is that we've got an offering that uh, we're, we're developing an offering that will provide investors an income return that will get them a return above inflation or get them a return that they're comfortable with for a given amount of credit. So we, we are better placed than I think anyone in, in our competition to better provide people with deposit uh, income. So by that, I mean obviously at you know money at core but also turn deposits but also ncds and importantly tcds and within our suite it's particularly relevant that we, we if you get our fund manager fortlake asset management to manage your deposit portfolio so again a lot of uh, a lot of cash managers have got a pds that only allows them to invest in deposits and of course that was set up just to put the money in the bank 
but now they can't get a return on that, literally can't get any return. So we can put that into Fort Lake and we can give Fort Lake the mandate to only invest in deposits, but they can put that into TCDs and NCDs, which gives them greater liquidity. So we have ladder management um, on our advisory, bo advisory board is a chap you know well, Simon Maidment, who's... Um, uh, we've we'll, we'll worked with a long time and he's got a lot of experience in this space and we can do proper ladder management but in addition to that you have NCDs and TCDs that give you liquidity in the market you can always sell them back to the bank at a very narrow bid offer spread but you can also put them into the reserve bank repo window and so it really gives a lot of confidence around liquidity in the event heaven forbid that we go back into an environment like we did last year. But just for the listeners that don't understand what a TCD and an NCD is, Sorry. they're money market. That's okay. It's, <laughs> it's, but they're money market securities that are traded every day. There's a yep. lot of liquidity. There's the markets. It's proven liquid funds on a daily basis. They're basically bonds that are issued by the banks. A TCD is a long dated one and NCD is a short dated one. So it's like, there's what used to be a bank bill back in my day. I used to be a bank bill trader. Um, the, now they're just issued by the banks and they're super liquid because if you sell them back to the bank, they're not holding that inventory in their credit book and having to apply credit to them. They just, they just close them down. And a ladder management is where you've got a number of securities and you're a big institution, you've got a number of securities and they have different maturity dates. So they they um, come due at different times, and you're reinvesting all the time. It's um, there are quite a lot more complex strategies for much bigger investors, and um, uh, Fort Lake is certainly. I know Christian Bayless is uh, fantastic. His his understanding of the market and uh, his inflation background, but. Um, I think it's a really exciting development. You've also um, linked up with Tactical Global Management. Is that right? You've got a, an investment in them. And um, perhaps do you want to explain what they do and and the bit of the strategy behind that? Yes, we're absolutely thrilled to get involved with um, Dr. Peter Higgs and Stephen Good is the CEO of TGM. Uh, these guys have been in operation since 97 or 98, thereabouts, a long time, um, providing derivative overlays. And what that means is that they'll, they'll look at a portfolio of assets and try and take the, uh, you know, if, if this is what the mandate is, take the market risk out of that portfolio of assets, so the stock market risk. So they'll apply a derivative overlay, typically buying puts and, and granting calls to an extent. Um, They'll, uh, they'll that takes out the market risk. So what it does is, in the a great example in recent times, of course, is a year ago, thirty five I think percent fall in the markets at the time. The the portfolios that TGM were, were managing had an eight percent uh, drawdown rather than thirty five percent drawdown. So it doesn't take the market risk out, but it dramatically reduces it. Um, and for that, you give away some of the upside. But uh, these guys are very good at it. They've been doing it a long time, and the upside they're giving away is is, is minimal. And it's all back tested and proven. It's fantastic to watch. So that's important for us because you know we're we're producing income investments. And so I have had a few people question me on why you're getting into the equity market. Well, we, we only sort of are. With these guys, they're taking out a lot of that equity market risk. So, for example, one of the products we're going to bring out um, in the coming months with TGM is a series of uh, dividend stocks, you know, Telstra and the banks and those sort of dividend uh, stocks. They'll apply a market overlay uh, to, to the portfolio. So it takes out a lot of the market risk for them, but it also takes out some of the dividend returns. So instead of getting sort of a 6% return you get from a lot of these dividend stocks now, it'll fall down to a 4%, 4 to 4.5%, we think, um, total return, fully franked, uh, with the, the equity market risk largely taken out. It'll be minimal. 
Well, we think we can sell that to bond investors because at the end of the day, people don't come to us to try and buy a bond. They come to us to try and find a solution for an income investment. And a great example, recently I was talking to a gentleman who's just sold a large property that he had as an investment property. Um, this man was he's in his 70s and uh, he said, look, I, I don't want to put the money back into property. I've made a lot of money out of property in my, in my life, but I, I think it's overheated and I don't really want to get back into it again. Besides, I'm selling, I'm not buying. I've just sold this property. I don't want to buy another property. I don't understand stocks, so I don't want to, I don't want to go and buy some stocks. I don't understand them, so I want to buy some bonds. Well... He doesn't understand bonds either. So it, honestly, if you don't understand bonds, you shouldn't be buying them. Just like stocks and just like property, if you really don't know what you're doing in property, if you want to be in that asset class, go and put it with a professional. So uh, my solution for him, and we're going to we're going to be doing this strategy soon, is to, is to put the bulk of his money with Fort Lake and a number of different funds within Fort Lake. Um, but I think he should be putting money into uh, a fund that's run by TGM that is uh, SDG compliance, so Sustainable Development Goals, so part of the UN. Peter Higgs is on the UN board for SDG um, compliance. Um, actually, really interestingly, he's on a board for he's on a, a panel for peace bonds, PEACE, um, that's issued by the UN to try and um, remediate the zones that have been through warfare. Fascinating. Um, we'd love to be able to try and bring that to Australia. Anyway, I digress again. Um, this, this portfolio will have a SDG overlay and it will have the low volatility overlay as well. So you'll have a, a low vol uh, equity investment that is sustainable. So the money is being put aside for future generations just for his grandchildren. Well, what a, great way to, what a great way to invest it and really passively manage, but well exceeding inflation and, uh, and doing good at the same time. I mean, uh, they're the sort of things that we're trying to put in place and give people a real um, suite of alternatives when they're looking for income investments. I mean, it, it, I'm telling you about what, we are, what we're turning the firm into, but it's more, probably more relevant what we're not. And what we're not is a bond broker that is, uh, what's his name, um, Jordan Belford-like, you know, spinning bow tie, ring a bell every time we do a deal. Um, one of our competitors actually uh, is very proud of the fact that he worked with Jordan Belford. I'd, I'd be keeping that to myself if I was him. But um, that's what we're not. We're, 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 we think that we are going to be, and we don't think we're competing with anybody really, the go-to place for income investments, like Challenger is the go-to place for, for annuities. Um, uh, so we're changing our name subject to shareholder approval. We're having an EGM in, you know, in about a month's time. Um, and we want to change it to income asset management uh, rather than cash works. We think that's a far better description of what we're doing. We're not cash managers. We're go-to place for income investments. I think, you know, most retirees, if not all retirees and a number of people leading into retirement, that's what they're looking for. They want stable income. So if you can ha deliver a product that gives you 4%, uh, you know, with a a lower downside risk than a standard equity portfolio. I mean, that's got to be attractive. I, yeah. I was looking at CBA shares last week and the dividend yield on them is about 2.5% at the moment, yeah. admittedly yeah. without franking. But, you know, are investors now investing in CBA shares for income? I think probably they are. Yep. Not thinking about any of the downside risk of the, the share price. And we all know, you know, their share price has tanked by 40 or 50% in a stress market. You know, that's got to hurt if you if you need your funds or and want your income for the vast bulk of, of investors they're older they've got investment money because they're older they've been earning it for longer basically so 
you can't afford it. You can't afford to have a 20, 30, 40% fall in your, in your capital. So um, I think this is a good, but even, even with this low volatility overlay, you don't, don't put all your money in that. It's crazy. Like, you, you know, I don't know, 10%, something like that. It's a, a relatively small amount and you should be putting the rest into stable income investments. <clears throat> I think it makes a, a lot more sense. So one of the other things uh, you announced was fund income. And that's where you're helping developing businesses. Is that, have I got that right? Uh, well, we didn't announce funding. We announced it um, in November or December last year. That's funding. Come is the is the entity that bought into Fort Lake Asset Management, um, and so we set it up really as a incubator of funds, so we can help um, fledgling funds get up and running. I mean, it's the Fund, fund, fund management industry is a very difficult thing to do. I was going to say the hardest part. I mean, there's lots of hard parts to setting up a fund, but the hardest time is in the early days when you've got lots of costs in terms of your uh, compliance costs and um, all your legal costs of setting up. And so we, we provide that. We provided that for Fort Lake Asset Management and we've provided them some cash flow a, a, along the way. We don't anymore because they're, they've got enough funds in place now that they're making their own money. But in the early days, that's what we set that up for. So... It's a it's akin to the pinnacle type model, but I'm, I'm it pains to say that we're not trying to replicate what pinnacle does. We're really our our, our um, myopic tunnel vision focus is on income asset management, and so we set that up just like the pinnacle type model because you know works that, that what they've done um, makes sense. So, but we did that for Fort Lake. We're sort of doing it for TGM. TGM, uh, the acquisition for TGM is made out of fund income as well. But TGM doesn't need us to fund them. They're fine. They've been going for 23 years. So, so it's not. It's, it's just the vehicle that's holding it. But we expect that we'll put other funds in there. We're looking very closely at a hybrid equity fund that uh, we'll also put into um, that we'll also put into fund income. There'll be a property element at some stage. To be honest, we've got enough on our plates at the moment. We probably won't be doing anything on that for a little while. Um, we've just got massive plans for what we for what we're going to do around both TGM and Ford Lake. Um, probably the most significant thing we've been doing in the last uh, three or four months now is what we're calling Treasury Management Services. And this comes back. I won't I won't go over it again. But it comes back to what you were just talking about, Liz, in terms of the the ladder management. So that's where Simon Mayman's getting involved, and we've got a, a group on the on the panel. Peter Code, ex NAB executive, is involved in that as well. In fact, Peter's the chairman of, of Fund Income. Um, so we're giving people advice on how to run their treasury and how to run treasury management and how to keep liquidity. And we can give them risk assets within that treasury as much as they want or as little as they want. So they can literally stick with. Um, deposit income um, or, you know, maybe 70% deposit and 30% is a large fund we're talking to at the moment. It's just what you're doing is so exciting. I love the concept of collaborating with lots of different uh, groups to provide an overall income to investors. I know plenty of sort of middle, mid-market companies that really need that treasury assistance, yeah. uh, that, that overlay, and charities. They don't, they're not specialists in, in how, how to invest or where to invest or how to get a return. And they need a return, but they can't afford to lose money, uh, particularly charities or not-for-profit associations. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's a really a very ex exciting time for you. You did um, have a capital raise last week. Do you want to talk about how, how that went? Sure. Well, we raised capital to pay for our uh, investment in TGM. Um, uh, as, as TGM grows, there'll be an earn in 
yeah, earn in, um, they we, they will earn more uh, returns by getting Cashwork shares um, as as their business improves. And it's all detailed in the ASX announcements. Um, what's what I really like about that model is um, we'll end up with a situation where they own a chunk of Cashworks and we own a chunk of them. So you talked about the collaboration before. We did the same thing with with, with uh, Fortlake. Fortlake, upon hitting hurdles of his funds under management, will get shares in Cashworks. And um, I think he's already got some. can't remember what the hurdles were. Um, he gets shares in Cashworks and, of course, we've got shares in his business. And so now they're already in a joint venture between Fortlake and TGM. And the reason they did that – sorry, I will get back to your point. No, that's good. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> um, they, the reason they got into a joint venture is because TGM could never pitch for balance mandates. They could never pitch – like an insurance company says, manage all of our money, and you know, manage this pool of money. TGM could never pitch for that because they, they weren't balanced. They didn't have a fixed income element to their business. Now they do, and that's for it. Like, back to the raise, that concept of, uh, I said before, we're different to Pinnacle. Our, our model is that we'll take a share of your business, but we want you to take a share of our business. And so we'll, we will work very closely with people who are like-minded. And I say like-minded because it's not just in terms of chasing an income return for in income investors. We're also very like-minded around sustainability and, and and the SDG approach. It's very important to all of us, and um, you know it's a, it's it's going to be a core part of of our group. And if someone doesn't fit into that, then they won't be coming into our group. It's not just about the economic side of it. Back to the race. I promise I'll get back to it. Um, it was fantastic. We. Um, we decided to raise $14 million. Um, uh, there's $3 million going straight to TGM. There's a bunch of costs whenever you do an equity raise. So we, let's say we've got $10 million left over. We're going to really drive the um, distribution part of our funds business, the distribution side of our bond business, and I'll come back to that in a second. Um, we basically need more, we need more NTA, net, net tangible assets, for running the uh, responsible entity, which is Trustees Australia, which has been around since the 80s, it's been around as long as I have. Um, it's, uh, it, it was dormant for a number of years, um, but we, we um, regenerated, re renovated it uh, with the help of EY. Um, we, we brought in EY to have a look at the, all of the licenses within it, all its procedures, its compliance, um, pre and post trade. Um, anyway, we totally renovated that at considerable cost. So, um, it was an embarrassing half-year report that we put out at, at, at Christmas time, but um, you know we had a lot of work to do to get this business into shape, to get it ready for what we're what we're building. And the revenue side of the business hadn't even started; really, it only started in February. So um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's at Baron Joey. Uh, a lot of ex-UBS people are at Baron Joey, and, and I said to them, "We've got similar P and Ls. In other words, there's no P; there's only Ls." But anyway, we've uh, <laughs> we've. Um, but that's like most companies yeah. building a, you know, building a yeah. business, right? Or so, like a startup, right? You you have all the ideas and the enthusiasm. You know where it's going to go. You just, you know, need to get the investors on board, which you clearly did. We get we're getting there now, and the, the, the revenue side of the business is kicking in, and so is Baron Joey's, by the way. Not, no, didn't mean to comment on their business. Um, our business is really kicking in in revenue sense, but we wanted to build that up and get the NTA in the in the responsible entity so that we can really drive a lot. It can be the issuing and paying agent for a lot of our bonds, for example. Um, uh, there's a number of ways we're going to be using that. The, the, the revenue line and the responsible entity is really going to grow dramatically in, in coming months and years. Um, you know, being able to um, settle, mismatch 
you know, you know remember those lists, um, mis mismatched trades and uh, there's all sorts of things we need the capital for. And we just need to get this business to it really acting like a mini investment service and mini investment bank. I'm not sure what you call it. Clearly not bank, but, you know, investment group. Um, it needs some more capital. So that's what we did. It was an interesting time because we went into this raise. I, I, uh, we basically have had very few funds in the company at Cashworks, fund, professional managers investing in our shares over the journey. But in the last 12 months, I've been talking to a lot of them and slowly they're coming on one by one. And it feels like I'm, I'm continually telling people that this is what we're building, this is what we're going to do when it's going to be right, gonna, gonna, gonna. So going into the raise, I'm thinking, well, we're about to find out whether they really believe me or whether they're being polite. But we um, we were overwhelmed with support by the fund managers. We had 10 different professional investors investing in the company. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, most of them were only allocated, you know, far less than what they wanted, or a little more than half they were allocated. We were also inundated with demand from the, I'll just call it the, you know, SMSF private investors, uh, high net wealth investors. So we could have sold the, uh, we could have sold the raise, uh, you know, again and again. So it was fantastic with huge amount of support and um, I've uh, just been overwhelmed with, you know, what people believing and seeing. And I said to the staff afterwards, you know, now's the time the rubber hits the road. Now we've got to, that's it. We're not doing any more. You know, we've got to stop talking about it and start doing it. And, um, and I think that's all going to fall into place very quickly. It's so exciting, John. I can't wait to watch and I will be watching. Um, I think Fort Lake's amazing. I haven't looked at TGM in any detail yet, but uh, I think the collaboration and the, you know, just looking for income, that is what investors are looking for. They've been looking for it for years. They don't, a lot of them don't have co a cohesive strategy. They have too much cash in the bank. Uh, there are options and there are other options coming. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Absolute yeah. pleasure to have you and, and all the best. Thank you for your time. It's always good to catch up. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, Liz. Thank you for joining us this week on Fixated, the Fixed Income Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and don't forget to join us again next week. Still hungry for more fixed income news, views and education? then visit fixedincomenews.com.au and don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter to have the latest news delivered right to your inbox. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Moran and we'll see you next week on Fixated, the Fixed Income Podcast.